which is like even cooler. That's super awesome. I love when I get to get on a plane and um, go to Thailand and that sort of stuff, which is cool. Um, and last year I was um, I was over there and I was spending some time with the team and we were down the road at um, having some lunch and um, you know it was, it was it was a real hard slog kind of day, right? Um, we, we were well, well, it was actually because we had to catch our own shrimp and like and then cook them and the team thought it was hilarious to be like, yeah, you go do it, like. Um, but it was awesome. Um, but as we were sitting having lunch. Um, there's all, you don't have to go very far in Thailand and, and actually through uh, lots of parts of Asia. If you've traveled through there, you you would have seen these things called spirit houses. So there's, there's lots of temples, but the spirit houses in, in different forms and lots of them look like this. Some are really big, some are really small and there's, you know, little ones, big ones, all these sorts of things. And they're just, they're everywhere. You can go, um, you know, 100 meters down the road and see one to, to 20 or, you know, however many of these. And they were all over the place. And there was one right beside there where we were sitting in the restaurant. And there was um, a man probably in his, you know, like mid-40s who came over. It was lunchtime. It was a, a busy street. There was a busy restaurant. It was all open. And he came and he, he genuinely stood before the spirit house. And he had his offering. And I just watched him for a couple of minutes as he genuinely and devoutly was praying in seeking answers to something that from something that was higher than himself. And then he went up and he, he placed his offering on the spirit house and then he left and he went about the rest of his day. And my heart was was just really captured and really moved because you could see that there was there was really genuine devotion and a real genuine searching in this man's heart. And it reminded me of a few years earlier when I got to go on a team to another nation and and we were walking along the street, and I was kind of dawdling behind a little bit, just looking at what was going on around. And, and it had been the afternoon, and so um, people had come out from all over the place and, and had laid down the call to prayer had happened, and they'd laid down their mats, and, and they'd said their prayers, and then everyone else had packed up and gone. And there was one man, he probably would have been in his late 60s, and everyone else had packed up and moved on, and he was still on his knees in the middle of this busy street. And he just had tears streaming down his face as he looked to the heavens. And I remember that moment. It struck me. It struck something in my heart. Because I said, I wonder what it is that he is so desperately seeking an answer for. I wonder what it is that he is so searching and believing for that everyone else would go and he would still be on his knees. You're a man of, you could tell he was well-dressed. He was a man of, of pride who was well put together. But to be so humbly on his knees in the street with tears pouring down his face. What was he searching for? What was he looking for? And that image has stuck with me. And then earlier this year, I received an update from one of our teams. You can actually, it's in, um, it's in this out, and out on the mission station if you want to have a read of more of the details themselves. But again, there was a man who stood before, he, looking to the heavens. But instead, his were not tears of, of searching and of longing. Instead, they were, he was standing and he was joyful. And he was standing in front of a thousand Dinga people, a people group of southern Sudan. And he was declaring to them that today, Today, God had come to that place. And there was great joy and there was great celebration. 
that man had been, had been searching, but now he was rejoicing because there wasn't a searching for God. But there was a celebration that they knew that God had come and met with them in that place. Another, um, another elder who a few years earlier had had a similar experience described it as this. He said, God, God is no longer a foreigner. How amazing is that? That the human heart can be so searching that all across the world in these different forms and places, we can be crying out for God, but it is possible. It is possible to have a day where we celebrate because we know without a doubt that God is there, that today God has showed up, that God is no longer a foreigner in our world. See, this man had discovered that God had placed within creation the most beautiful of love stories, a story where every human life was carefully created, crafted, loved, and adored. Each life known, each life created with purpose and created for relationship. And no matter what, that the human heart will always search for it. And he had found the answers to this because the reason why he was celebrating, the reason why they felt God was so close was because for the first time, they were able to read of this beautiful love story in the Word of God because they had a translation of the Bible in their own language. They were able to read it in their heart language and God was no longer a foreigner because they could read about a Jesus who spoke to them in their own language. Isn't that amazing, church? See, this, this booklet that we have been talking about that you'll see all around the, uh, all around the, um, the foyer, represents a desire to hear that declaration in people's hearts multiplied time and time again across our local community and across the world. That today, today God has come and he is with us and people can know him personally. Isn't that amazing? And so some of the ways that, that that's going to happen, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it tonight from the global perspective, is um is supporting our team uh, that's working in South Sudan. So the reason why that man was able to have the Bible and to hear the love story of God in his own language because a team for 40 years had been working to not only... Um, to capture their language, but it helped to educate within their people group and work with them and have ownership so that they could translate it and understand it and they could have a copy of it in their own language. So that was with SIL and with Wycliffe. So seven years ago, Janet um, and her husband, Phil, left from this church and went and joined the team. They have now been pioneering new ways of engaging communities within South Sudan. They have such a conviction and a heart for these people that they have faced robberies. They have been, Janet has been held up at gunpoint. They have lived in amongst civil war. They have been uh, many times had to leave and evacuate from, from Juba. It is not a nice place to live. When they go there, they lose weight. Lots of us are like, yeah, can I go? But the reason why they lose weight is because they can't, you know, a lot of the, the fruit and veggies and all the things that they need to eat are very um you know, barren in those places because it's just the crops aren't being able to be grown. They face sickness, they face, um, you know, opposition culturally, you know, all those sorts of things. But they have seen the faithfulness of God working and moving and being able to work to give these communities uh, uh, the story of God in their own heart language. And in August this year, they're going to complete another one. Isn't that amazing? 
see Phil has also been working at MATH, the Mission Aviation Fellowship Base. It has been growing as they have been, as it, bec- as it has become harder and harder to travel by road, as it's become more and more unsettled. What he does in the team that he leads has become more and more important. They not only are the ones who deliver these Bibles to the people, they're not only the ones who, who fly the teams in and out so they can help the linguists to, to translate and to work on these documents, but um, they're also the ones flying in medical supplies and, and, and all the life-giving things that they need to these places. See, and our heart is that they would, as we give, they would be able to come home, be refreshed, that they can go back for the long haul because there are more and more people groups that are signing up that are saying, yeah, we want to have this in our own language. Isn't that amazing? That they no longer, God will no longer be a foreigner to them, but they can hear about how the goodness of God in their own language. Some of the other things that we're going to be doing is support, continuing to support the team in Thailand. See, there are over 60 million um, Thais, and most of them are Buddhists. See, it is actually quite, quite common for people to, in Thailand to, to live their whole lives and never know a single Christian. So even if they wanted to, they don't have the ways and means to be able to learn about Jesus. And so coming to that spirit house and genuinely praying is the only way that they know to have connection with God. They live so spiritually aware, but they spend most of their lives in fear of those spirits, continuously trying to appease them and hoping that somehow they are good enough for this God. See, we're also going to be partnering with the work that is happening in Ethiopia. Um, with the Lake Tana people, they're an unreached people group. See, they believe that their heritage stretches back to a time when Moses was crossing the Red Sea. But there is a lie that has been rooted in their hearts. And they believe that they were, turned, Moses turned them away and said, you are not allowed to enter this land. And so they believe that they are cursed both on this earth and for eternity. And so hopelessness has permeated this people group. They've become one of the poorest and most, most looked down upon people in Ethiopia that even the Christians in that nation don't want to go to them anymore. They're so forgotten about they they weren't even acknowledged as a people group by their own government until a couple of years ago. But we know that the truth of who God has called them to be. And as Nick and Emily have laid down their lives, they've laid down their businesses, they've given up medical careers, they've taken their young son to this nation because they believe God has given them the promise of, of 1 Peter that said, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 that says, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And they are praying and believing that God is gonna break that lie, that they're gonna discover that they were created for a purpose, that Jesus died for them and gave them an incredible hope and that he has called them into a family, that they are not cursed, that they are not forgotten about, but they are loved sons and daughters of the Most High God. Isn't that amazing? And we get to partner and see that happen, church. See, this morning as well, we've also been talking today about a story of the miraculous. As we turn to 2 Kings 4, we read the story of Elisha as he comes to the woman. Her, her, her husband has died, and she's left with these two sons, and she is in debt, and she knows that, the, that they are coming for her sons, and she's going to be left with nothing. And she goes to Elisha and, goes and tells, her of this tru- tells him of this trouble. And Elisha replies to her, how can I help you? Tell me what to do. I, tell me what you have in your house. 
Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except for a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and, and as each is filled... Um, he told her, keep pouring. When all the jars are filled, she, she said, bring me another one. But he replied, the son replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went out and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. See, how can God do that? What is God doing in that space? He's showing that he's a God of the impossible who makes it possible. And his heart and compassion towards his people is evident. See, God is not limited by our reason or understanding. That is what is so amazing about him. But so often we can limit God and we can put him in a box. And I want to tell you a story of when that happened. See, some of you might know the Mongolian Empire. We'll show a picture. It stretched all the way from Korea through to Poland. And there came a time when the, son of, the grandson of Genghis Khan wrote to the church because they, they were open spiritually. And he wrote and he said, would you send a hundred people to come and teach us about the Christian ways, to come and teach us of the things of God. But the church didn't know what to do with that and they were so consumed with what was happening in their world that they didn't send anyone until 23 years later when one man went. And God worked and moved through that man and there were people that came to faith. But by then it was too late. The big opportunity had passed. The grandson had already passed away. And what the opportunity to influence on a level that was never seen before was missed. And it was known as the greatest missed opportunity in missional history. It was too little, too late. And our heart and our prayer is that we don't want to miss any opportunity when God is calling us to respond because we hold too tightly to that which he has placed in our hand and has asked us to release so that he can flow through it like the oil into the jars to be able to move in the supernatural and miraculous in our lives. God's heart is for us, but it is also bigger than just for us. See, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, God repeatedly wants to call people back to himself. His heart's desire, and as the team, uh, oh no, we haven't got panel, we've got a video. His God's heart desire is that no man, no woman or child would stand in the streets crying out, thinking that God has forsaken them, but instead that his heart will be multiplied across the world where people will joyfully raise their hands to the crowd saying, God is no longer a foreigner. Today, he has come here and is with us.
Fantastic. Well, welcome to our um, Life at Six panel tonight. And uh, this is Julia. She already introduced herself, was our assistant pastor and soon-to-be campus pastor in our Salwyn plant, which is exciting. And, uh, and this is Lorraine Dirk, who we are super privileged to have sit on our panel tonight. Good to be um, here. What a great blessing to have you I'm thrilled uh, to share be here, with us. Um, now, Lorraine, you have done more than 40 years in Thailand, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, you've taught <laughs> countless hundreds of missionaries and courses that have invested in people whose hearts are for the nations. Uh, and you've got an incredible legacy, an incredible story, which we don't have time to get all of it tonight. Sure. But Thailand was your primary place <coughs> that God called you to go. Yes. And uh, I'm wondering whether there was an opportunity that presented itself, or was it just the call of God to say, get on a plane and go to Thailand? How yeah. did you end up in Thailand? Yes, it was, it was really the call of God in my heart. Uh, even though I was not from a Christian family, there was always uh, Thailand there. And, um, just, and just the fact that the, the church was so small, there were so few Christians. When I went to Thailand, there were 50 million Thai Buddhists, and uh, the, the Christians less than 0.1%. Uh, no other Christians anywhere where I was living. Uh, so just, just that, that huge need of that nation really gripped my heart. Mm. So you set off yes. to that <laughs> nation. Yes. Uh, is it true it's a bit over 40 years? More than 40 uh, years? Y yes, yes. I went in 1973, so, yeah. Yes, more than 40 years. <laughs> it's more like 45 years, it's isn't a, it? It's a while. Uh, which is pretty awesome. And so we're talking about, the, we're on this topic of multiply. Mm. And, and our giving this year is towards this idea of multiplication. And the nations is in the flyer. Yes. And, and the nation of Thailand's in the flyer right. with our partnership with Mung Tong. Sure. And we only have a partnership with Mung Tong Life Church because of you, correct? I it's guess so. The church that you, <laughs> it's the church that you planted, true? Yes, yes. And so you planted that 20-something yes. years ago? Yes, yes. And, uh, which is pretty awesome. And so we have this relationship and partnership now. Mm. But I'm just wondering, when we talk about multiplication, what did that look like in Thailand? Mm. You went 40 years ago. What did increase or what did multiplication really look like? Yes. Well, when I, uh, way back then, when I first went, uh, it was around about 50 million Thai Buddhists, and it was just totally overwhelming. Yeah. I, I went by myself. There were no other Christians anywhere near me, and, um, and I can just remember absolutely crying out to God and saying, how can this one little life, this one little person, make any different to difference to 50 million uh, Thai Buddhists? Yeah. And, um, and God spoke to me really powerfully through uh, John chapter 12, verse 24. And he said, I tell you the truth, Lorraine. Uh, and unless, name was in yeah, it. Yes, awesome. he said to, to me, Lorraine, um, unless a grain of uh, wheat falls into the ground and dies, it will just be a single seed. But if it does die, it will produce many seeds. And it just, it was so powerful to me. I had a heart. I wanted to go to the Thai schools and uh, just tell the children about Jesus. I'd go and stand at the gates of the schools and there would be like 3,000 students milling around. Um, and I thought, you know, I could do that uh, and I could just go tell and I may, may, have, may have a little bit of fruit. But what God is saying is, no, you just lay it all down. You just lay it all down um, and you, and you invest yourself in some seeds. So I guess my seeds, those seeds were a few disciples that they can go and then they can also bring forth a harvest and multiplication. So it was, it became, um, it's not about me, it's not about you, Lorraine, but it's about them. It's about those little seeds going out and being planted and bringing forth a 
harvest. Yeah. So, and so yeah, you that's what happened. Turn up mm. at a school, see yes. a school. Yes. And think so you obviously you could run kids programs or there was something in yes. you that you felt you could do for these kids. Yes. Can you tell us about the journey? What, what does it look what did it look like then and what does it look like now? Uh, well, uh, I had actually um, been on the staff of a church for two years in New Zealand uh, doing children's ministry, and uh, just my heart just always burned for Thailand. Uh, so I began uh, going into schools, uh, and I had a little disciple with me, and we went into the schools, and it was, it was very small, uh, but, but God just began to bring this sort of amazing multiplication. Uh, and I can remember, you know, we talk about partnership um, between Mung Thai, Mung Tong Life Church and Life Church, but we've always had a partnership. Life Church has always had a partnership uh, with Thailand, and so I just so admire Paul and Jill. You know, I admire them, right? Because they've done those hard things like sleep on beds that are like rocks with no sheets and mosquitoes chewing them all night. Terrible, um, the worst food poisoning. So they know they know what it's like. But they partnered with us from the very beginning, and I remember. We had a week correspondence course. We started this Bible correspondence course, and we just did it in my house. So my little seed, my little disciple, uh, she was marking these correspondence courses, and Paul came to visit, and he said, have you thought about computerizing? Because we had index cards. And he said, have you thought about computerizing? We said, we don't have skills to do that. And Life Church sent a team to help us to put that on a database. And pretty soon, we had 100,000 kids um, students on our cor- Bible correspondence so just course. a few. Yeah, just so, a few. <laughs> so God did that. But it was, you see what I mean by partnership? Like just way from the beginning, we had a great partnership there. Yeah. So is that's that what little, you're asking? Little, well, that's a little <laughs> bit of increase, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 100,000 100, so, kids. Yeah. But Praise God for so that. And it's still continuing. The program's well, still Well, yeah, I think, I think because of God spoke so powerfully, you just lay it down. It's not about you. Um, the great thing was I probably spent 80% of my time really investing in my Thai seeds. And, some, and we started a good news team. They are still going. Nearly 40 years after we started that um, team, they're still going into the schools. They've still got thousands of kids doing their correspondence course. So, yeah, so that's exciting. Awesome. Mm. I may ask you a question yet, Judith. No, she's not, got we, way we, better we, stories we than of, I do. <laughs> we talked about the fact we may not get to no. so much. But, Laura, so Lorraine, what does it look like for you? You've, you've got a team. All right, yes. that you invest your life. What, sure. what, are, what are some keys you've seen to ensuring multiplication happens? What have you? Yeah. What can you help us with? I I guess I got ahead of myself a little bit because I, I really think that partnership is just such a huge key, and really that that partnership here with with Life Church is, is such a key. Um, and if I if I think about now, so what happened with these children? We were having uh, every month about three hundred um, Buddhist young people saying, I want to follow Jesus. And so we would say, and they, what, what do I do next? So we'd say, uh, well, read the Bible and pray, uh, because we had little les- Bible lessons on that, and you should go to a church, because you can't really make it by yourself. You need to be part of a church. They'd write back and they'd go, what's a church? Never seen a church. No church in my village. And, and so God actually, again, it was like dying, um, because I loved the Good News team, and I loved doing those children's minist- that children's ministry, was to go um, start a church from nothing, from zero, from zilch. Um, it, was, it was really um, very, very challenging. So it's taken, it's taken a while to see the church grow and multiply, but I think, uh, I think we're really, really seeing great increase, great blessing right now, 
my heart really is uh, what is this partner our partnership about is that that one church is like the seed really that can really impact the nation because in thailand we have five thousand towns and villages with no church still and then we have a great church in bangkok but i see every person that get, goes in that church and gets saved uh it's one can touch 50 because they've got family, they've got friends. I'm going on too much, so I should stop, shouldn't no, I? You're going to ask me another we're question. Sorry. We're, we're loving it. Um, you just keep going on. You just keep yeah. No, I think that's important. You were saying you know, one person doesn't yes. just, it's not yeah. just an individual. It represents a whole family. Well, one and person is probably the, I mean, always, the only Christian in that family, the only believer in that family. And they've got trust in that family, haven't they? So, um, and, and so we see that, all over Thailand, in these towns, in these villages with no churches, that there's somebody in Mung Tong Life Church that can take the good news to them. So that, that just absolutely excites me. And I, it just burns in my heart, this one for 50 and 5,000 towns and villages with no churches. So I think Mung Tong Church can really send these seeds out. And I had a wee example. Can I tell you just... So last year, at the end of the year... There was a young lady called Pat, and she was like you was like Julia was saying. She was in a very dark place. She was just consumed with fear, um, anxiety. She had no hope whatsoever, and she just she just felt in such a dark place. She was just just crying out and saying, "How can I be set free from this fear that's in my heart?" And she had a dream, and she actually dreamed. She was in, in the dream. She was driving along the road, and she saw a sign, and it said Mung Tong Life Church. And she she remembered it was familiar to her. She'd driven past that sign many times, but God spoke to her and said, "You go to that church. You go to that place. They will tell you how you can be set free from your fear." So she went along there, and she just was just radically transformed. Pat, she's just fantastic, and the story touched my heart. Because, you know, God says, there's a church there. You know, when there's, when there's somebody like you were talking about and they're on their knees and with tears, there's a church that they can go to. And God said, go there. So I was praying for Pat and I'd been praying with, for her. And then last time I went to Bangkok, Pastor Udam asked me to preach. And at the end of the service, there was a, a, a lady, an older lady came out. And it was Pat's mother was Pat's mother. And, and God just spoke to me and said, look, Lorraine, no, you, he encouraged me. You're not on the wrong track. You know, these new believers, they all have families. And so they can be the key to reach those families. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I think it's good for us to know, actually, there's, there's some really practical things that we can do to help mm -hmm. partner with the church over there. So one of them is to continue to pray for yes. the team as well. So there's um, little prayer cards out at the, the mission station. So that bit, we've designed them so you can take one and put it on your fridge. And just when you see it, just be praying mm -hmm. for the team over there as you're hearing these stories. Be praying because it can feel still feel overwhelming for them, you know, mm -hmm. 60 million. It's sure. like it's a, it's a big, big mission field, right? But if we keep lifting up that team's and yeah. be available whenever God needs us to, to pray. Like, there's no distance in prayer, right? So we can be there with them as we give, as we sow into this and multiply. We can actually be resourcing the church over there so they can be strengthened to, to be called mm -hmm. to what they're doing. But also as well, if you're potentially interested in going on a team, sorry, I've totally taken over this, mm. but um, good, good. going on a team, we have some courses and some stuff available. Come have a chat to us yeah. and you can, can learn more about this and go over and spend a week or two weeks on a short team and actually meet them and see and experience and taste and feel and smell mm. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so if that's something that's on your heart, then please, you know, come have a chat to us about that as well. We've got right. pathways for those. Yeah, great. So just as we come to the end, because yeah, sure. we've run out of time, but 
Sorry yeah. about that. Sorry. Um, no, no, it's been Sorry. great. I just sort of want to anchor it for us because Lorraine, when we look at you, Lorraine, and go, wow, look at Lorraine Dirk. I mean, she's incredible. Look what she's done in the mm. nation. That, that's uh, our view uh, of you. Yeah, well, actually, no. And, but no, but that's, <laughs> but that's our view. That's our view of you. And you're going to accept that that's our view of you. But I guess my question is, I mean, you went with what you had in your hand, right? Sure. We've been talking about that. You yes. took what you had and you went out of obedience yeah. to God. Yes. Can we all trust mm. God? Do you think we can all do something significant like Oh, absolutely. Like absolutely. Yes, yes. Because... I mean, I think God has so blessed Life Church with so many skills, and you know, just for example, wonderful music um, that we have here, and just I mean, whatever God has given to us, we give it back to God, don't we? I, th I think the thing is not um, saying, oh, "Oh, well, here goes here's ten percent, but I'll give you an offering, I'll give you fifteen percent, and then eighty-five is mine." I think it's all in. Just give everything. Just give everything. Don't hold anything back. Yeah, so that's, that's the word how it's going to happen. All in, we yeah. go, we go all in. Yes, right? absolutely. We're going all in, which is great. <laughs> Lorraine, would you would you be able to pray for all of us? Sure. As, we, as the team kind of comes back, would you, yeah. you pray for us? Yeah, That'd be awesome. yeah, I'd love to. Father God, we just thank you that you have given us the Great Commission, Lord. You didn't do it yourself. You didn't send angels, but Lord, you said to us to go and make disciples of all nations, Father. And we know, Lord, we admit tonight, Lord, that the job is not yet done. There are still nations that are still waiting to hear from you. But we just thank you, Father God, that uh, for, for the Lake Tana nation, nation Father God, for, for those people groups in South Sudan, Father. And we just pray blessing upon them. And we just pray that they would be like seeds, Lord, that there'll be an amazing harvest, Father. You said, Lord, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, Lord. We speak over those nations that they are part of the inheritance of life, church, Father. There are other nations out there, Father God. You've put so much in our hand, Father. You said, what have you got in your hand? And Lord, we just pray, Lord, as we give that back to you, Father. We give you our lives. Lord, we don't hold anything back. We give you 100% to night. We say, take our lives, Father, and use us, Lord. Lord, that we would not be like the Mongols. We would not lose that opportunity that you give to us, Lord, to go and make disciples of all nations. We just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.